Welcome to the World of Koth Players Podcast, where we discuss old-school role-playing from the player's perspective. I'm Legitimate Mustard, I play Ferrum, and I'm here tonight with... I'm Exploding Kitten, I play Evelyn. I'm Gus, and I play Mira. I'm Cognac, and I play Jazz. I'm Vig, and I play the vivacious vixen-like elven cleric magic user. And I'm Kel Ronan, and I play Urkel, the poop-loving priest. Indeed. You do that to yourself. Yeah, you do. I, 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 did, I did that one to myself. I'll call that one. <laughs> okay, so quick session I'm recap from our... Cognac suffer, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, quick session recap from the last session. Uh, the party was waiting outside of town to meet the mayor under the cover of darkness. They made their way to the mayor's house by way of the tanner, the barber, uh, tanner slash barber who gave them a, a um, an escort into town and kind of snuck them into town, got them to the mayor's house without being noticed by anybody. Uh, once they got inside, they realized that the mayor was drunk, as she normally is, but they met her daughter and someone else wearing dwarven armor. Um, they talked for a while, then the mayor came downstairs with the constable, um, and the constable left immediately, and then the mayor kind of told us that we were in trouble, but that she needed our help. Around this time, Urkel decided to tell the mayor about the freaking druids, even though he wasn't supposed to say anything about the druids, but he did tell the mayor about the druids, so now everybody knows, even though no one was supposed to know. But now they know. So then the mayor made us an offer that we couldn't refuse. We decided not to refuse it. Um, Kathis went to the Huntsman's Lodge and tried to convince the Huntsman not to go into the Deep Forest to meet the end that will absolutely um, be waiting for them there. Um, they were like, yeah, nope, we're going to do our own thing. Um, so Kathis came back to the Huntsman's Lodge. Um, the party slept the rest of the night at the mayor's house, kind of on cots and such. And we stashed all of the coins that had been carried absolutely everywhere in some chests and that's pretty much all of it oh i guess there was a note as well but eh, we'll talk about that later um does that pretty well cover most of it you think pretty much Mm -hmm. so any new revelations that uh or new information that you thought was particularly interesting or important in this session we must go and chop off the Relina's head. Yes, we must. So that yes. um, that person that we met, I don't remember her name, but we met her. She was wearing possibly dwarven armor. Um, she comes from uh, Highcliff Manor, which is where Relina um, kind of set up shop. Now, most of the party doesn't know who Relina is. Um, some of us have heard of her and <laughs> know a little bit. Um but metagaming, Relina is awful and probably the big bad evil guy. So, um, yeah. Guy? Guy? 
it's just what the thing is. It's BBEG. <laughs> you can't can't fight it. It's, it's the patriarchy. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. What do we think about the reemergence of Relina in this campaign? Oh, co- come on. If Relina comes back as metagame, then we have to take out Nesta. And we know what the scourge of the seas is. VD is everywhere. Indeed. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how I feel. So kind of hint, or our DM kind of hinted that we ha- um, we're going to have some older characters come back into this campaign. And to be honest, I thought we had killed Relina, so she would not be returning, and we'd have someone else's character, which I was pretty excited about, because I, I liked everyone's characters that were in the last campaign. Um, so out of all of them, I don't know how the DM is going to handle that. Um, maybe she's not dead somehow, or maybe it's just not gotten word back here that, that Relina is dead, or someone's taken her place, or her identity. Um, How I um, remember when talking with the DM, um, uh, he explained that Rulina is dead, but he, but she set up um, 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 Assassin's Guild up at Highcliff Manor, and all those assassins still believe that Rulina is alive, and uh, so they'll appoint someone to be Rulina, which won't actually be Rulina, and just continue on until they find out she's dead or they'll just keep continuing on in Relina's name and her wishes. This reminds me of the Dread Pirate Roberts from the uh, Princess Bride. You know, the Dread Pirate Roberts is really just a name and a yeah. and a, and a reputation. Yep. So, could Unthink- be that we don't I actually need... I get that need. reference. Yeah. <laughs> Unthinkable. Inconceivable, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, if if that's the case, then this Brianna is probably a lot more dangerous than we know. But in our campaign, we've been pretty trustful of anyone that wishes to join our team. Um, Kathis, we let him join everyone we just met up and we all work together. So if we're going to start doubting someone, we need to have a good reason why we would do that. I agree. Um, like Gray and I, if she wanted to join our campaign, our campaign long term um i would be completely cool with that because she seems pretty cool has knows a lot about animals and horses like super useful yep but we have to have a good reason it seems like um the gm is getting in green eye because petter seems like he's going to go on and go to the north like he had this sense of needing to go to the north to where the other campaign is that's absolutely possible. Um, I hope that we don't lose Petter because he's a really OP character, or overpowered character for our campaign, and having him around is useful. Um, he can heal, uh, which is great. He can chop stuff pretty good, which is great. Um, it would be a shame to not have him around. But, um, yeah, Grey and I would be pretty interesting she seems to be quite capable uh briona brianna whatever her name is briona um she's probably an assassin um 
I, as a player, not real excited about that. Um, as a player character, I don't know that. So, I don't know. Yep. I she mean, was also very... Go ahead. She's wearing a hood, too, in her picture, and I think she's the only one that is. So that's a very good indication that she's an assassin. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. She was also very... When we first met her and we were talking about how we need to get... Mira wanted to get justice for the um, druids, wolves getting put up on stakes. And she was like, we'll just manipulate them. We'll say, you should go out into the deep woods. There's an easy kill. And that was super unsettling for my character. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. To to Ferrum, that's that's very pragmatic though. Why would you why would you get into a fight if that you didn't have to be in or um, expose yourself to risk that you don't need to expose yourself to? So Ferrum finds that to be um, a little shady, but really kind of useful and pragmatic. So he doesn't have too much uh, of a problem with that specifically. I th- I think having this wild card kind of thrust upon us is going to make this campaign a lot more difficult and be challenging for us because we will never know if this lady is going to kill us. Yeah. Or who she's communicating with along the way, that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. I feel like that's kind of maybe over metagaming this because, you know, I really shouldn't be thinking about that kind of stuff. I don't know anything about her. So welcome everyone. It's very simple. They can just ask her if she fails her saving throw. Um, she'll tell us, and if she doesn't, and we are concerned about her, we can just chop her head off. We could. Absolutely. Why should we keep anyone around that we are uncomfortable and don't trust? Indeed. But here's the thing. I don't know that Ferrum is uncomfortable with her as much as I am, um, because I know what she is and where she comes from. So I kind of wonder if maybe that's uh, where some of that's coming from. I mean, from Vig's standpoint, she hasn't done anything bad, anything negative. Um, It's similar with the town. I mean, if I look at the town, the town has been put in a, or the mayor specifically, and the town, in a position they don't want to be in. The envoys have basically absolved themselves of this and said, there's a problem, you deal with it. Uh, We think our people are causing a problem here. Signed off, you deal with them. We don't want to. Um, The mayor doesn't want to. And to be honest, the town has been nothing but pleasant, short of the Huntsman's Lodge. So, I mean, yes, we can discuss various negative actions toward the town, but the reality is, at least from Big's mind... Yeah, they're fine. There's no justification. They're fine. There's no justification for it. Right. What do you think about the mayor? Um, The mayor drinks a lot. Um, She's constantly drunk. She appears to have maybe been quite capable at some point. I don't know if she is anymore, but... I think the mayor is still quite capable. I think her drinking is a disguise for the most part, and which politicians don't imbibe? I, I think that she and Farron probably have a lot in common. How so? Probably has a bit of uh, a bit of trouble in her past that she was probably here somewhat relaxing compared to trying to get away from. Uh, yep. You mean you, you mean that husband of thirty years ago? Yeah, I wonder what the story is there. And her adventuring days that she yeah, touts out so proudly. Yep. 
Oh, uh, Jazz respects her authority, but she doesn't like that she has a whole band of hunters and that this lady can't get control of them. So she, Jazz really thinks that the mayor should be able to rein these guys in somehow, and it's a huge weakness for her not to be able to do that. It's a power struggle, and the mayor sees us as her basically hammer, or specifically very big, heavy weight to stomp the huntsman and impose her authority. Um, so the point I was going to make is that Mira didn't really like the fact that the mayor didn't seem to have control over the people in her city, including the hunters, who clearly killed the wolves. So. Uh, yeah, I totally. Think the, I think the mayor has control. I mean, if you look at the blacksmith and the others, they're on her side. Okay, the so huntsmen. maybe not all the people in the city, but definitely the huntsmen. They went out there and they did things and we didn't like them. Well, I didn't like them as Mira, and then she, there was nothing she could do about it. But yeah, to be I, honest, I, there was nothing she wanted to do about it. No, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. She's she sees the she sees them as a threat, definitely, but she also sees them as a tool, and she is using them uh, for the benefit of the town. But I think you're both. I think you're right that she doesn't have full control over that. Um, what do you guys think about? Um, well, how would Put into the position of power of being the mayor, how would you handle gaining control over the huntsman differently? I wouldn't do it differently. I would do it like she is. We're expendable. The huntsmen provide a necessary service to the town and are agitating for power as an extra. I mean, they provide very high quality meat. The townsfolk like them. They are exploiting that for a position of power on their internal. If she went against them with resources from inside the town, it would fracture the town because some of the townsfolk are on the side of the huntsmen. Some of them are not because of the service they provide. I would do exactly as she is. Leverage an expendable external entity that if they die, she can say, well, they're outside malcontents. And if they solve, see, I brought in the right forces to do it either way. But, but, but they are also killing, like they're getting people, her townspeople killed. So at what point, does she need to lay down the law on them say, hey, my farmers are getting killed because you are wandering too far out into the forest. She needs to put down some of put down her foot sometimes. Definitely. Hold those leaders does, accountable. Does she? Um, my understanding is that those farmers, according to the discussion we have the Druid, are setting up their farms in areas they were told not to. Well, it's not even just like that. That's a possibility. But the I do believe that the druid said that it was primarily their primary concern was that they were going into Fayhaven. the hunters specifically the hunters specifically that's right and and that um the mayor can't just put down a rebellion because they have popular support and if the mayor puts it down it reduces her uh legitimacy maybe yeah but if it causes more problems down the road, which could be very soon, is that really a good decision to not As, put her foot down? I mean, it is the free cities. They do have a system for electing and, and deposing of mayors. And so far, the hunters have followed the system. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, what do you think about the the two so there's two new NPCs that we've met this time, this last session. Um, there's 
I can't remember their names. I got to scroll up here. Uh, Brianna and Gray Nye. Gray Nye, yeah, Brianna and Gray Nye. So Gray Nye is the mayor's daughter. Um, we we kind of talked about her. We think that she's um, pretty pretty capable sounding. What do you think about her as a as an NPC specifically? What what where do you see her fitting into the greater puzzle of um, the town and um, and interacting with us? Well, I'm pretty sure Grey Knight is going. If she's coming with us, she's coming with us as an and as a uh, check on us from the mayor yep. and a way to get back at the. Um, the mayor's ex-husband in some manner. She's yep. going to report back to the mayor. Yeah, She's our watcher and keeper. Right. Um, Brianna, we kind of thought was probably part of the larger organization. Not really sure what that means. Who she'd be re- uh, reporting to or what threats she uh, or presents to us. Uh, so I guess we actually already covered that. Um, so- she did say that she's reporting to Relena. Yeah, and the the United uh, Common Peoples of Oakwood, right. sorry, Greatwood, Darkwood, Darkwood. Yeah, yep, um, right. Which isn't a thing, as far as we know. Well, that's what the free cities are saying, and so is Vithir. They just want to ignore them. I mean, everyone's everyone appears to be saying that, except for the United Free People of Darkwood. They're the yep. only ones who seem to think that they're a thing. So. <laughs> Which means as long as they keep saying that among themselves, no one's going to care. Essentially, yeah. But if they start trying to insist that on other people, then there might be some um, friction. There will be a dividing up of the geographical area of Darkwood between the appropriate entities very quickly. Uh, that seems likely to me. Although we do know that Darkwood Let's just is very difficult to... some people. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that always goes well. But we do know that Darkwood is like a challenging place to navigate and a challenging place to govern because it's uh, it's unique in its difficulty to to navigate and its uh, danger that sort of sort of thing. So m- maybe that won't happen. I don't know. Um, Vithyr recently lost a huge number of soldiers in Darkwood by failing to uh, you know take out the Lich. That's true. Um, so. Near the end of the session, we kind of wandered through the city a little bit. We went to the weaponsmith, and Jazz left the um, the bronze and iron sword along with the rune that Urkel had been carrying and trying to hide from everyone. Um, the runestone. Um, what do you think about that? What what uh, what what will come of that? I look at it and say, it's a bronze relic. Bronze doesn't hold an edge. And this is vague. Bronze would look at it and go, it's a bronze relic. We know it's magical, though. Bronze won't hold an edge. But, I mean, from my perspective, it doesn't matter if it holds an edge or not. If it's magical, there might be some ability beyond just holding an edge that it has. That's possible. What does Jazz think about... Jazz has shown consistently um, a lot of interest in different types of weapons. So what what does that mean to Jazz? What is her um, what is her motivation with with that? 
Oh, I think she kind of feels similar to a sage in that. Not not so withholding of the information, but she wants to learn everything there is to know about weapons, um, especially unique weapons. And she wants to learn why they're unique. What's the end goal of that? Is it just a mass accumulation of knowledge, or is it for a purpose? Well, I think one day she'd like to be proficient in many types of weapons. Um, I think it's really useful in battle, being able to pick up anyone's weapon and being able to use it. Um, that's probably where it comes from, but it's it just was a hobby that turned into kind of a life goal for her. So Jazz is a little bit of a mall ninja. Like, she, <laughs> she's accumulating anything shiny and sharp. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, of course, she enjoys fixing weapons, um, so she wants to learn how to do it better, which is why I wish she could spend more time with these guys and really learn what they're doing. Um, yeah. And I- now now that she's kind of... I'm expecting a lot of what we're talking about with Ferrum and and uh, Kel Ronan's character, or uncle, I expect a lot of what we're talking about is probably stuff that we're actually kind of saying in-game. So now she, after she dropped that sword off, she's kind of looking back and thinking, hey, maybe that wasn't the best idea to leave something that could be so valuable with these guys. Especially, they seem to be really taking us for a ride with the amount of money they're charging. Because that's a lot of money. It is. Maybe. I I don't really know. I think that um, quality work does cost something. So if they're doing quality work, then it should have a cost. Um, I'm not quite as concerned about the the costs as um, anything else, but... I also know that they've held on to valuable things for a long time. Um, they have some things that are quite valuable that they've had for a long time, so I, I kind of think that it'll probably be okay. Um, unless this turns out to be something really unique, and, you know, if it shows itself that way, then there there could be, you know, something of that. I'm not sure. I think it would be really interesting from... Um, my understanding of Jazz's interests and also from Ferrum's um, experiences and interests to go to a larger city at some point and you know, maybe spend some time at um, a more skilled uh, smith or um, an, armor, an armorer or you know, one of those types of places that, where there are, are skilled craftsmen working. I think, that, I think that could be a really interesting opportunity for a couple different members in the party, and I hope that we have that opportunity in the future. Um, Okay, so before we came into the town, we had camped um, overnight. uh, Well, not overnight, but through part of the night to to just kind of um, kill time until it was time to go into town and not be terribly visible. So we camped down kind of near the river. Um, On the far side of the river, towards Vithyr, there was a fire, and someone was... Um, blocking the fire, maybe, to uh, to signal. And when we didn't respond, they made their fire significantly larger and then continued um, kind of signaling. What do you make of that? I think we should go back, create a smaller fire, repeat the signal, and then catch anything that came across, because... Why are we in front of the mayor? Well, because people came across the river, supposedly travers, and while Big, Big was sleeping, you know, I almost said Nesta, <laughs> Jazz and company slaughtered them. 
uh, that they deserved. Yep. How do we know this is not the same thing? It would be very interesting to just wander back there, create a small fire, nice little signal fire, signal back, and then proceed to, um, shall we say, interrogate. And so, came across the river. So what's the likelihood that they would still be there at this point? I also want to say that you know, Vig didn't didn't Vig put the or start our fire and make it really big in the first place? I think that was no. Ferrum, actually. That was Ferrum. Ferrum? Uh, okay. Vig might have encouraged the fire to be large, but Ferrum wanted the fire to be long lasting. Big complained, Big complained that he wanted a fire because his feet were wet, and it's like, let's go have some place and get warm. Big was doing his usual whining about his wet feet and everything else. Right. I think that the, I think that um, we were set up before. I think that that's fairly obvious at this point. We were set up and um, and made to be uh, kind of the fall guys for for some larger play. Um, I think that probably who was signaling us was someone else. Uh, continuing that game whatever it is and um the likelihood that they'd still be there is probably high because they may be just following us you know Um, they might just be waiting to me this is the perfect opportunity that ripper wardens should take advantage of to restore order and break apart an illicit activity but if they don't come over then there's no illicit activity to be to be broken up We'll entice them somehow. Yeah, maybe. I I don't think there's. I don't think the intent. It's called entrapment. Yeah, that is entrapment. But I I also don't think that um, even if someone came over, I think that the intent is for us to attack them and uh, for us to be used as some sort of pawn in a in another in a larger game. That's why we don't attack, and we have already legion of river wardens hiding aside led by our local river warden just waiting there as we sit and invite them over for s'mores that could be us that could be a definite uh possibility um what was your favorite moment of the last session reading that letter from perka yeah that was pretty entertaining oh that was hilarious (laughs) So yeah, the letter from Perka um, said some things, uh, admitted some things that probably shouldn't have been read to the rest of the group. Uh, Ferrum read it aloud. Um, it was ended with a line about, um, oh, what did he say? Um, something about swear by the hammer over the hearth at the. Uh, Raven's Head Inn. That all that I, the, all this letter is true and valid. Exactly. So, metagaming here, but I'm going to let you in on something. There is no hammer over the hearth at the Raven's Head Inn. Well, Big has no clue about that, and as far as he is concerned, an entire Elven warhorse warhorse is now going to come down on Perka's head, chop yeah. it off. For poisoning an elven envoy, which is the epitome of declaring war on the elven nation. Yep. Um, and we will we will shave every piece of him, and then parade him naked in his dwarven finery, shorn of everything in front of everyone, before we put his head on a spike. Yep. 
Um, there were a couple other things. Uh, I think that he um, said that he encouraged the humans to kill off the undead that had come from the north, and he had convinced the gnomes to spy on their own envoys. Um, a couple other things, too. But um, probably all of those things were false because he ended the letter with that statement about the hammer over the hearth at the Ravenhead in Stone Axe Village. Stone Axe. Um, so, yeah. That's um, that's a thing. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think's coming next? Let's double check that, that wording. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was hammer. It was. It absolutely was. Cognac, yeah. what was your favorite? <laughs> um... Let's see. I I kind of liked when Ferrum brought up the safety of the the crossbow from the with the children. I think that was good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> seemed in character. Yeah, he was slightly worried about that still, but yeah. <laughs> and, um, and what was your least favorite then, Sam? My least favorite. Um, I didn't like any time Brianna was talking, but that's just me as a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She reminds me too much of someone in my past. <laughs> I really liked when Kathis went to the Hunter's Lodge and did his thing. Oh, that was actually pretty interesting, too. Yeah. Uh, it didn't go particularly well, I didn't think. But, uh, you know, it was it was interesting to see how they interacted. I kind of wish that they had um, maybe listened to him a little better, you know? Yeah, they seem a bit too headstrong. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so I, I think that's all of the, the topics and and things that I have. Is there anything else that I that we've kind of glossed over that you want to want to cover before we wrap this up? It was a heavy roleplay session, so um, not a lot happened, although a lot was said. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing with those types of sessions when we do like a, a a fight, you know, in a dungeon or or an encounter. A lot happens, but not a lot is said. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting uh, paradoxical relationship there between the two. But all right. Well, if that's all of it, then um, that's all we've got for the World of Coth Players podcast. Thanks to everybody for hanging out. We'll talk again in a week. Good night, everybody.